Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. After all these years, going on 23 years, you just keep going. A little girl vanishes into thin air. I appreciate the feedback from the podcast. That's what got us out here. You guys took the time to do the podcast, and I'm sure Erica Baker's family appreciates that. The investigation still haunts the community. God, in the last 10 years, I've probably dug 100 holes. I'm Bryn Caswell, reporter and weekend news anchor at Dayton 24-7 Now. It's a bone. Inside that sheet? Inside that sheet. I can't feel the denseness, but it's definitely a bone. And I'm Nathan Edwards, morning news anchor, and this is Missing Erica Baker, a podcast from Dayton 24-7 Now. You know, fingers crossed, and let's hope that today's the day for this family and for law enforcement and everybody involved, especially the community. In this episode, yet another search for the body of Erica Baker in an entirely new location. So we are in the Dayton 24-7 Now's podcast recording studio. I'm with Nathan and our news director, Becky Golding. Hi, Becky. Hey, guys. Now, there's a specific reason we want to start with Becky. That's because you had a hunch that led investigators to head out into the woods in late October to search a promising site. This came about after you read the confession letter that Christian Gabriel wrote over two decades ago. And you noticed something strange. First, let's start by reminding listeners who he is, because it's been a while since our last episode. So Christian Gabriel is the man who admitted to hitting Erica Baker with his light blue utility van on the day she disappeared. Now remember, the nine-year-old was walking her dog at a local park near her home in Kettering, Ohio. It was a dreary, rainy Sunday afternoon in February of 1999. Her dog was later discovered alone in the park, but Erica was nowhere to be found. So we learned in episode four that investigators were tipped off to Christian Gabriel just months after this tragic day. While he remained the main suspect, it took another five years before Christian shared details about how he struck and killed Erica with his van. What happened then? They picked her up, put her in the van, and went to my apartment. That's the voice of Christian Gabriel being questioned by Clark County Sheriff's Detective Larry Alexander in 2004. Christian told the detective there were four people in his van, including his then-girlfriend Jan Franks, who he said was driving. With Erica's body now in the van, Christian said they drove about six miles north to his apartment in Dayton. And all four of them started doing crack cocaine in his bedroom. She was still in the van. You left her in the van? Mm-hmm. Okay, did anybody maybe say, well, let's at least drive by the hospital and put her in front of the door? No, I remember saying something, but uh, no one was listening to me. They were more worried about smoking their crack and getting high. Well, she was still laying in the same spot when we got in the van. Jan got in, she was driving again. And that's when they took her to Huffman Dam, wherever the hell that is. <laughs> So I'm really glad we replayed that part of Christian's interview with the sheriff's detective because it helps remind us why the search for Erica over the last two decades 
was primarily focused on the wooded areas around Huffman Dam. Yeah, at one point, Christian even led investigators on a tour of the dam. It's a heavily wooded park where people go hiking and fishing all the time. In a police recording of the tour, he went so far as to point out where they supposedly parked the van while burying Erica. But keep in mind, Huffman Dam is north of where Christian lived in Dayton. Yeah, and that's what stood out as a big contradiction when I read Christian's confession letter. Here's what he wrote back in 2004. We then left, and she, she being Jan Franks, gave me directions on where to go. We got onto a highway, I believe heading south for about five miles or so. We then got off of an exit and went left at a light and drove for a little longer, and then turned off onto a dirt road that went to the right. After we got there, we carried her into the woods, dug a hole, and buried her. And Becky, it's notable that he wrote heading south, not north. Exactly. So I followed those directions from Christian as best I could, and they actually led to an area south of Kettering where there are two parks that could be viable options. And just as a reminder, you asked Bob Green if he had ever searched those parks in the past. Bob, of course, was the former lead investigator for the Erica Baker case. Yeah, he's worked this case for years, even after he was promoted to sergeant at the Kettering Police Department. And Bob was so familiar with Gabriel's confession letter that he actually recited it to me word for word earlier this year. I do a lot of hiking in these parks, and I've been to these parks many times. When I told Bob about my theory, he said authorities had searched one of the two parks south of Kettering, but he agreed it was time to search the other location. So on Saturday, October 29th, Becky, Bryn, and I headed out with Bob Green in a search party of detectives and volunteers. Okay, so how does it feel to be out to this location today in this new life that's being proved into this 20-plus-year case? You know, it was, it was a tip after the podcast you guys brought to our attention. It was a very interesting tip. It warrant enough information that we needed to be out here. So, it you know, it feels good, but I've done this so many times that... I've kind of uh, put up a shield to protect myself, my emotions. So it's it's just, uh, it's another, at this point for me, it's another place that we have to check that box. It's worth noting that Bob Green retired from the Kettering Police Department in 2018, but he's still working the Erica Baker case. You talk about doing this a million times. Is it hard to hold on to hope when you come out and do this over and over and over again? No, um, it's all about Erica and bringing her back to her family. So I hope, you know, I, I continue my hope and it's been since 99. So I want some resolution for this. Becky's hunch came back in early summer when we were reporting on the initial episodes of this podcast. But there's a reason we're just coming out to this park in late October. The ground and the trees are now more similar to the way these woods might have looked in February of 1999. Actually, you know, in February, February 7th, 1999, it was a little bit warmer, I think, and it was a uh, misty, dreary day. So actually, the weather's a lot better, <laughs> I think. <laughs> this park is a lot like Huffman Dam. It's a big area for hikers. The woods are dense and full of wildlife. There's also a couple of creeks that run through the park. Our reporting team was embedded with a team of detectives from multiple jurisdictions and about a dozen volunteers as they searched a specific section of the park. 
So tell me, where are we and what are we doing today? Um, we're on Wilmington Pike in a secluded area. Um, that makes a lot of sense uh, for Erica Baker to, to put on a search. That's Dave Rader from Texas EquiSearch. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to reuniting families with missing loved ones. Dave is the Midwest director, organizing volunteer teams of 10 to 20 people to go on these types of searches all over the Midwest. So why does this particular area make so much sense to look for Erica's remains? Because back then there was a lot of seclusion um, during the time that she went missing. And when we started looking back, and I think it was one of your producers that kind of brought this to our attention, and we started looking at it, we went back to uh back to when she disappeared on google earth and it was still as secluded as it is today google earth is just one of the tools equisearch uses to help locate potential grave sites in the wilderness this tool gives dave's team detailed satellite images to help them understand how much the park has changed since 1999. he has printed off copies of old and current maps to help his team understand the lay of the land you know at this point in time we're going to be looking for any kind of depressions um, because with a grave, um, you know, at the time the, the dirt will be mounded and then as, as process takes place, then it will become a, a divot per se. Now we've talked about her wearing her plastic rain jacket. Do you think there's a chance that maybe that has survived over 20 plus years? You know, the only thing that we can think of is, is that if we find anything that's plastic, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be deteriorated. Um, I don't know what kind of zipper it was. So if it was metal we would have a good chance of, of that surviving. And even on plastic, uh, some plastics take a long time to degrade. So we're, we're hoping that we can find anything that would have to, to do with this. Other than Google Earth, the equipment Dave and his team of EquiSearch volunteers use this day is pretty low tech. No metal detectors, no drones, just a shovel and a metal rod the size of a cane that allows them to feel around for air bubbles under the topsoil. Dave says when you hit a bone, it makes a certain sound, like a clink. You know, fingers crossed, and, and let's hope that today's the day for this family and, and for law enforcement and everybody involved, especially the community. Let's take a walk and see what we've got. Let's talk a moment about the search volunteers. What drives them to come out on a Saturday morning to help out with this type of search? We talked with many of them. From a former EMT to a financial crimes accountant, these volunteers are the real heroes who just want to help families find closure. And of course, Nathan, Becky, and I also talked with the detectives, past and present, who were out working this day. Detective Vince Mason began working the Erica Baker case in 2010 and took over as lead investigator after Bob Green was promoted to sergeant for the Kettering Police Department. Okay, I'm here with uh, Detective Mason. And so you've got a shovel here. Mm -hmm. You just said that you're the guy who, once they identify a spot, you're the one who starts digging. Yeah. How often in the search for Erica Baker have you located spots where you actually do start digging? God, in the last 10 years, I've probably dug 100 holes. Okay. At least. So this is a routine for you guys. You guys have this down. Yeah. Yeah. This case is 23 years old and the land in these parks has physically changed because of snowstorms, flooding, or hikers and animals trampling the ground. But one thing remains constant. Vince Mason, Bob Green, and other investigators will continue the ongoing search for Erica Baker's body. 
Finding her remains could lead to new clues, revealing how she died, possibly new arrests, and finally, a proper burial. And even though EquiSearch is leading the ground search by poking and prodding at suspicious depressions in the earth, they have to be careful about disturbing a possible crime scene if something is found. You were talking about how EquiSearch, they want an actual, they want a police officer to be able to be the one who actually finds something. Yeah, for chain of custody. That's what I was just going to say, yeah. for chain of custody, that way it's for a, evidence. Chain of custody, even, I mean, they have been on searches where they've found other bodies, not the one they're looking for. Yeah. And it's chain of custody, so they got to have an officer there. We start the search at a now hidden entry to the park. It's blocked off by gates and is overgrown. But back in 1999, this was a gravel drive open to the public. The team from Texas EquiSearch splits into two groups. The volunteers line up and sweep the park. Some volunteers are new to this, but others have years under their belts. One volunteer named Genova Foster has even trained at the Texas Body Farm, a research facility at Texas State University used to help investigators identify human remains. People donate their bodies so that forensic anthropologists can further um, see how you're gonna decompose in various situations, burning, water, um, underground, and a lot of situations. As the searchers keep on searching, Becky and Nathan struck up a conversation with Bob Green. The former lead investigator on the Erica Baker case can't help but continue to mull over the contradictions of Christian Gabriel's varying accounts of what happened back on that tragic day in 1999. Christian often led detectives to Huffman Dam, which is 20 minutes north of where we are searching. They've also went to Caesar Creek State Park, which is 20 minutes to the south. So maybe where we are searching could be the spot. You know, what makes sense about it is in his statement, how he, and just, I was thinking yesterday, you know, he gets on the highway. Well, maybe he wants to get off the highway as soon as he can. He, you know, you've got a, you've got a dead body or a body if she wasn't uh, in the in your van. Now, do you think that it's a, a coincidence that this park falls right smack dab in the middle, pretty much between Caesar Creek and Hoffman Dam, the two places where he routinely led you guys? No, I, I, I just think that, I don't think they were thinking. You know, they were trying to remove themselves from any evidence from her body and things like that. I think, I, I do know that he was very familiar with Caesars Creek and Huffman Dam because he told me that, Christian. Have you found it odd in the past thinking about that confession letter and the fact that the directions really didn't match up with Huffman Dam? Yes, but, and, and to our defense in the, as far as the investigation goes, you know, we had been lied to so much that we had to take it and kind of piece things together. Okay, does this make sense for this area? So yeah, maybe he he told us bits and pieces of the truth in his statement. At the time that Christian was burying Erica? From, from what Chris, Christian told us, she stood as a lookout outside the woods. And then 
he went back to her and retrieved her jacket to place it over Erica. Do you think she was across the street where the parking lot is now, or do you think she was over on this side and they pulled the van into the wooded area a little bit? I think she was where the van was, near the van. I don't think she's going to wander on the street. She's just going to look down the path to see if there's any lights, cars coming down and things like that. I think they would have stopped and then done their their deed and then turned the van around afterwards. Moments later, a major development in our search. The volunteers made a surprising discovery. Within seconds, everyone was gathered around a disturbance in the ground with a piece of fabric sticking out. Bob, Vince, and Dave start to dig and make a shocking discovery wrapped in what appears to be an old bedsheet. When we come down again, try to pop that up. Maybe right here. Hold it, hold it. Bring your expert hand in here and feel what I'm feeling. Let's stop there. Yeah. There's something in it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's a bone. Yeah. Huh? It's a bone. Inside that sheet? Yeah. Inside that sheet. You can feel it. I, I can't feel the denseness, but yeah. it's definitely a bone. Yeah. What do you, you want to do? Do you think it goes down further? Yeah, I'm thinking so down. we can either do two things. We can stop and see what the crime scene unit wants to do, or you, at, you at this point, point deferring to somebody who's found more bodies than To, to me, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a bone. What I want to do, Vince, is to make sure that we're we're yeah. protected. Yeah. That if this is something, yeah, I mean, I get then it. we've got... <clears throat> It's something. I just don't know what. There's like a shift in the mood out here right now. Everyone's really, really concerned. They've just called crime scene out to come look at what they found. Um, Nathan, I know you and I have known this case for a long time. It's really personal and um, it's just really getting emotional that we may have found something. I'm kind of shaking right now. Yeah, I am too. My stomach's um, in knots. My heart's racing. Bob Green's down on his knees right now looking at it and his total demeanor changed. But you never know, it could be an animal, it could be a person, we don't know at this point. And it may not, it could be anyone, we don't know. And it could be anyone, like you said. Um, a lot of people, you know, when animals pass away, you wrap them up in a sheet you have in your closet and you bury it, but this is, this is different. The, he stuck his hand down in that sheet and the bone kept going from, it looks like the end of like, you know, a joint of a band or something when I was looking at it and it kept going down to the ground and looking at the size of what we've dug up so far, like that looks like that'd be a little girl. Yeah. The size is like what you would think a child would be. And um, I mean, it could be a large dog. You just really don't know at this yeah. point, but they are taking this find very seriously calling. and they're calling crime scene in. Who takes their dog to a public park and buries them this mm -hmm. far in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. In the, taking a look at the pattern on the, what appears to be a sheet in there. It looks like, looks like one from the eighties or nineties. It's old. The tone shifted very quick. Yeah. All right guys, we're gonna mark this area off. Yeah. So. Everybody gonna get out. Yeah. All right, we're on our way back out down the path with the corner. The path that was once overgrown is now worn down by footsteps as we make our way back out to the scene where we found the bones. The Greene County Coroner's Office is joining us now. 
because they're going to examine this and will be able to tell if they're human or animal bones. After that point, it'll be up to BCI and other investigators here to dig up what remains. Texas EquiSearch is also waiting out here right now. Everybody's holding their breath, waiting for an answer on what this is out here. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. So at this part in our search, we are now removed from the original dig site. We are waiting for BCI to show up to look at the bones. We were with police. We had to fill out witness reports because we were there while they were digging. And I remember in a moment while we were waiting, I had this feeling of optimism. I really felt like this could be it. How did you feel? Yeah, Bren, I agree. I felt really optimistic. Um, I had a knot in my stomach for several hours while we were out there. And I have to be honest, I got a little emotional at times just thinking that we could have done it, that this could have been Erica. You just run through every single detail of what you just saw. And at that moment, all you can do is wait. Just sit there and wait. As the State Bureau of Criminal Investigation and Greene County Coroner's Office examined the bones further, Dave Rader was cautiously optimistic about the discovery. I can just see Bob's face just in, in events coming back. He says, this isn't what I, this isn't what I thought it would be. I guess he just didn't think that it would be possible to find her, maybe. So, I mean, there's a glitter of hope. I mean, that bone is, I mean, it looks small, but again, a nine-year-old, they're not that big anyway. As Dave Rader waits for an update, he gets reflective about his work. He's been doing this since 2008. His first search was for Kaylee Anthony in Florida. Her mom, Casey Anthony, faced murder charges but was found not guilty. He says his experiences searching for the missing two-year-old changed his life. Over the years, Dave has fine-tuned his approach and has the unique skill it takes to successfully search for human remains. And, and it's a thought process that goes in what makes the most sense. See, that's what people don't understand is the thought process that goes into this. They just think on the outside, oh, we're just going to walk into the woods. But yeah. they that it just doesn't look like it's supposed to belong. And that's what a lot of people just don't, they don't understand. And that's the mental part that gets you is, is you're trying to figure, you're trying to put yourself in. Sometimes you, you, you got to think abnormal and outside of the box. Over the years, Dave has fine-tuned his approach. He's conducted over 100 searches and discovered 21 bodies. After hours of suspense on this Saturday afternoon, 
the Greene County coroner made the determination that the remains were non-human. All right, Dave Rader just came back from Texas EquiSearch and said that they found what appeared to be dog bones. But they're not sure for sure because there's no skeleton. So now they're taking the bones back to a lab to assess. Yeah, there's no skull. And so they're going to take the bones back to double check, make sure once they get them in a lab setting that they're not human. But at this point, they do feel like it is a dog. So now we're back to searching. Back in the woods with EquiSearch as we continue to look at some of the areas around here that we have not touched yet. As Becky and I rejoin the search party, Bryn talks with Bob Green about the disappointing news. Okay, so I'm emotionally drained already and upset. How are you feeling? After so many searches, it's just another area that we cleared. And that's the way you got to look at it. After, especially after all these years, over 20 years, you know, you're going on 23 years. Um, you just go, keep going. I mean, that area was showing some promise. Abs- I mean. Absolutely, it was an incredible find by EquiSearch and their staff. Even the coroner mentioned, how, how did you get here? And they, they couldn't believe it. So the coroner said non-human, but you guys are still, s- Explain to me what's being done with the bones now. So non-human on the scene, at the scene, uh, the bones that we collected will still be taken to the coroner's office and then make an affirmative decision. And that's exactly what happened in this situation. The coroner's office later confirmed that the bones were from a dog. So where do you go from here? What's still going on? Still searching. And we're not going to stop. And hopefully keep finding you know, you know, keep keep hoping and, and we find that we find something. Okay. Well, I know this isn't your first or your last search, but is there anything else you'd like to add about this? I just I, I appreciate like EquiSearch and all the people and the feedback from the podcast. That's what got us out here. You guys took the time to do the podcast. It has brought more attention to the cases, which we have to do you know we're not going to give up and some of the the paperwork that you guys went to brought us here and i appreciate that you know i'm sure erica baker's family appreciates that all right tough day but we're back in the dayton 24 7 now podcast recording studio and i'm joined by Bryn and our news director becky golden let's look back at this experience from saturday october 29th Yeah, Nathan, we were only expecting to be out there at the search site for an hour and a half to two hours, but we ended up being out there for seven hours that day. Um, We found the bones around 10 a.m., and then we didn't find out until after 3 p.m. that they were non-human. You know, it was obviously very, very disappointing when we found that out. Bren, how are you feeling today after you've had a few weeks to think about it? I remember just feeling, like you said, exhausted after the search physically and especially mentally, I think we all wanted to bring that news, the positive news that Erica had been found to her family. Um, Reflecting back on this weeks after letting it all process, um, we've talked about this in the earlier episodes of this podcast. I lost my brother when I was 14. I know what happened and my family has had closure. Erica's family still doesn't have closure. And I think as this has passed and um, this search wasn't successful, I look at how these detectives have been handling this case for so many years. And it was interesting. I felt talking to them about how they process it. How do they keep going? And I think it is that hope that 
everyone is still holding on to that this case isn't closed. Well, you have guys like Bob Green and Vince Mason who have been doing this a long time, and they put up this tough front, like they're just ready to dig a hole, try to figure it out, and move on to the next site if this one doesn't work out. But you saw in certain moments, Bob Green, it looked like in his eyes that he also felt that same hope. He he puts up a tough front sometimes, but I think deep down he's you know human like the rest of us, and he was hoping that maybe this could finally mm-hmm. solve the case that he's devoted so much of his life to. And um, Detective Vince Mason, the way Kettering Police Department works, they rotate all of their officers. So we have learned that, I learned on the search that in a month in the new year, he will no longer be on this cold case, which he has dedicated much of his career to. So when we found those bones and I could see like, you know, the hope in his eyes that maybe it was her and then he could have that closure because his life's work would maybe be complete and he can bring that to his the family and then that ended up not happening. Um, I just really, I feel for those detectives and the work that they've been doing. And I think, you know, how devastated we were and how let down we were is nothing compared to the 23 years that these detectives have been working this case. I mean, we just got a little glimpse of that a few weeks ago, but it it was completely heartbreaking to them. And being out there and learning that the bones were dog bones. I mean, you just, it just didn't add up when you're in that moment. You're like, why would somebody wrap a dog up in a 1990s uh, sheet and dig them this far back into the woods? It just didn't make sense in the moment. Looking back, perhaps I was trying to rationalize things and try to, you know, keep that hope alive. But a lot of it was just like, it felt like the pieces were coming together in that moment. And, you know, another thing to point out here is that the dog bones was missing a skull. And so had they had the skull, had that been buried with these dog bones, they would have known a lot sooner that this was a dog, not a human. Obviously, we're all feeling disappointment, right, Bryn? I would say, yeah. This is a feeling Bob Green has had for a long time. And it came through and Becky asked him about whether he notified Erica's father in advance of the search. Uh, does Greg, um, does Greg Baker know that you guys are out there? Have you talked to him about the search? No, and and the reason being is that I would rather ride the roller coaster of the emotional roller coaster than have the family ride it all the time. Um, we've been out on so many that I've, you know, it's just hard on the family. I would, I would rather surprise them with the positive than to have to call them with the negative. So even though we were all disappointed after the last search, again, no one is losing hope. And Nathan and Becky, you guys went on another search, this time with dogs. Tell me about what that was like. They brought in this canine group from Kentucky that's close with Texas EquiSearch. It was really fascinating to watch them work. There were three different dogs they took out at three different times to try to identify spots where there might be possible human remains. Now, these dogs are specially trained, so they know the difference between human and animal bones. And Becky, talk about what we found. Yeah, so these dogs, they hit on two different locations in the park, one of which they were particularly interested in. All three dogs hit this one spot, and they all hit a spot that was with a tree next to a creek. Yeah, and when they go to the tree, and this is what they said, the canine handlers, they said that, you know, if there are remains buried by a tree, sometimes the smell can actually come up 
through the tree's trunk, almost like a chimney, which is very fascinating. And these dogs, it's not just newer remains they're trained to find. These dogs have actually found bodies from the 1800s at different burial sites around the Midwest. So uh, certainly a lot of more hope in terms of possibly finding something, but uh, I'm remaining a little skeptical at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think um, we we were out there with um, Vince and Bob, and I think that they were cautiously optimistic about the find. They marked them, they marked the two locations, and they're going to come back at a later date to dig up near those two locations that the dogs identified. The ground was really hard. It's been pretty cold around here lately, and so digging right now isn't um, the best. So they were going to come back out with EquiSearch at a later date and dig up those two specific locations. So the other missing part in all of this is Christian Gabriel, the man who admitted to being involved in Erica's disappearance, and he is still nowhere to be found, but detectives believe he is possibly in Oregon. Yeah, we've been looking into some court documents, and um, we recently found an eviction on his record. So we, uh, we've been investigating his location because we'd really like to talk to him, obviously. Um, he was recently evicted back in April from an apartment. So that's the last known trace that we have of him. So we are still trying to figure out where he is now since being kicked out. Yeah, it certainly bears watching there because, you know, he has been known to move all around the country since this has happened. We did make contact with his mom during the course of the podcast too, Brent, right? Mm -hmm. I, I did. I went up to her house. She wasn't very interested in speaking to us, but um, I asked her if she still was in contact with her son and she told me she hadn't spoken to him in years and she possibly believed he was living in Oregon. I don't know how much I believe her if she hasn't talked to her son because seemed like they did have a pretty close relationship in all of those jailhouse phone calls we listened to from years back. Let's wrap this up and talk about what happens next, the case, the search efforts, where things go from here. Bryn? Yeah, it will be interesting to watch where things go from here. As I talked about earlier, Detective um, Mason will no longer be handling this investigation in the new year, which is heartbreaking because... He's devoted a lot of time to this, and when we were out there searching, it was that roller coaster of emotions for the span of seven hours. Once we got out there, we didn't really know what to expect, but then right off the bat, we found the depression in the ground. And then as we were digging, we found the blanket. Then we found the sheet with the bones in it. The bones were too big to be a dog. They looked like they could have been a little girl's bones. And then all of that just gets crushed. It really puts in perspective the hard work that detectives do for our communities. Yeah, I was just super impressed with um, Detective Vince Mason and Bob Green. I mean, Bob Green has devoted 23 years to this case. Vince Mason has dedicated a decade to this case and they just do not stop. I mean, these detectives were out on Saturday after Saturday searching on their off time. Um, I could not be more impressed with the detectives and EquiSearch and the people who are out there searching. I mean, their search methods are amazing. It's fascinating to watch. And while, you know, we didn't have the results we were hoping for during the search, it's not over. They are searching more and more locations and, you know, they'll be back. The dogs identified two spots in particular to dig, to look at, and they'll be out there doing that relatively soon. 
And the thing that's impressive too is you you get out there with the detectives and they always greet you with a smile. They're yeah. they keep optimistic. I mean, these guys have done this hundreds mm-hmm. of times, the same routine. Go out, poke the ground, dig a hole. Mm-hmm. They've been to so many different areas in the Miami Valley, uh, here in the Dayton area. And the fact that they still remain optimistic after 23 years is absolutely incredible. And it really all ties back to bringing the family closure and they will not stop. The Kettering Police Department will not stop until that happens. And I mean, like we've all touched on, it's such a roller coaster of emotion. It drained us. I mean, we were exhausted afterwards. I mean, I was, I felt like crying. Yeah, like I, I got in my car after that and I yeah. was like almost in tears. Because I can only I can only imagine how they felt for the last 23 years. That's exactly after it. hundreds of these searches and then having to call Erica's family and say, you know, again, another dog, another animal. Yeah. It was tough. And I think, you know, we think about that nine-year-old little girl. Mm-hmm. The idea of innocence lost. What exactly did happen to her? You know? And that's been the whole mystery here. And we've we've talked to the family over the course of this podcast and just their raw emotion, the best friend. And I just keep replaying a lot of that as we're going through this process and thinking about them and what they've gone through all these years. Because, I mean, we've been working on this podcast for a year, but they've been living this their whole lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully one day they can find that closure. Maybe, just maybe we can find something on those two spots at the park. But I don't know. And even if we do, we've played such a small role in what mm -hmm. the detectives have been doing for 23 years now. It's it's just incredible to me how dedicated. I mean, Bob Green has been retired for years and he is still out on Saturdays being part of this search. I mean, he cares about this family. He cares about Erica and he just wants to bring her home. We appreciate you listening to this special bonus episode. We know you're as invested in this case as we are. Thank you to Erica Baker's family, Kettering Detectives, Texas EquiSearch, and others who have added their voice and expertise to sharing Erica's story. We care so much about this community, and this is not the end of our reporting on this case. At Dating247Now.com, we've created a special section dedicated to this. If there's any major updates to this investigation, we might be back in your podcast feeds. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you'll be notified when a fresh episode drops. While you're there, please leave us a review. Let us know what you think of this season, and please share this podcast with any friends or family members that you think may be interested in this case. Missing Erica Baker has been a presentation of Dayton 24-7 Now, an affiliate of Sinclair Broadcast Group. Becky Golden is our station news director. Michael Oyang is our coordinating producer. Holden Robinson is our photojournalist, and Eric Newell is our audio engineer. Production coordination by Anna Nicole Weiss, story editing by John Haas, and legal support from Chase Bales. Rich Cook is the head of audio at Sinclair. Thanks to everyone who supported the production of this series. Megan Westerby, Josh Richardson, Rachel King, Ann Fuse, Matt Sav, Shirley Wang, Daniel Roth, Anna Peterson, and Stephanie Franco. Until next time, I'm Nathan Edwards. And I'm Bryn Caswell. This has been Missing Erica Baker.
Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com/internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the US to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.